Hi, everyone. I'm recording this part on November 4th, Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. It's about noon Munich time. As of right now, we have no results for the U.S. presidential election. But regardless of who you voted for, regardless of who wins, and not just in the U.S. elections, but in any election around the world for the years to come, I think something we can be thankful for is the upcoming generation. Youth activism is a growing culture with future-focused values. As my mom said in episode 18 when we talked about taking a stance, she said the new social norm is to take a stance. And I think one of the driving forces in this stance-taking is teenagers. Teens are helping us question our daily actions and public policy. Things that have just always been don't need to be. We can change our behavior. We can change our values to match our changing world. And my guest today is one of these teens. Flossie of Flossie and the Beach Cleaners is here to share what inspired her and where it has taken her. Her mom, Harriet, joins us, but you'll hear more from her in next week's episode about parenting an activist. All links from this episode will be in the show notes at balancingcultures.com. But let's go ahead and start the conversation. This is Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchen. Welcome, Flossie and Harriet, to Balancing Cultures. Thanks. Thank We're delighted to be here. Thanks for having us. So let me hear. So where's Flossie? If you could say hi first. Hi. Hi. And then where's Harriet? Right here. Hi. Hi. So Harriet is the mom. I have to say mom because if I say mum, it sounds really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a mum, right? You're not a mom. No, I'm a mum. That's it. <laughs> You're a mum. <laughs> And then where are you where are you all calling and connecting from today? Ireland, Dublin. Yeah. Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Just outside Dublin, actually. It's a little peninsula called Sandy Cove, just outside Dublin, which is really pretty. And have you all lived in that area for a long time and have a feeling of connection to the sea? Um, definitely, yeah. Um, we moved here like when I was around seven or eight. Um, and, but even then before that, we'd always come down to go crabbing when we lived in town. Very nice. I'm jealous because I'm in landlocked Germany. Well, not landlocked. We touch the sea on the north, but I don't get to see that. And I miss the smell of the sea air because I'm from California. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's a big difference. Yeah. A little bit. So you're going to have to soak up the sea air for me and I'll just live vicariously through you. <laughs> no problem. But in more than one way, because I... Since I've discovered you, I am kind of living vicariously through you and your efforts, and I hope to start making a difference the way you're making a difference. So let me go ahead and introduce kind of what you do. You are officially the youngest guest to be on Ballads and Cultures, which is a complete disservice to my listeners, making them wait this long for a young activist. <laughs> so can I start by asking Flossie? I'll ask Flossie, not Harriet. <laughs> Flossie, how old are you? I am 13 years old. 13 years old. And you are an activist. What inspired you to become an activist? 
Um, when I when I was like seven years old, um, my family and I were in on a holiday in Thailand, and one day we went kayaking, and there was so much plastic pollution in the sea, and then mm. just clicked that day. So I started filling the kayaks that we were in up with rubbish, and then ever since I got back home to Ireland, um, every time we went to a beach to go crabbing, I'd end up collecting the rubbish. So decided it would just be easier to set up a beach cleaning group. And then when I was 11 years old, I started hearing about, you know, the incredible Greta and I <laughs> knew that um, I could make a difference for the um, uh, due to climate change more as well. But I could just climate striking and spreading the word out like I do with plastic pollution. You were in the middle of a vacation and you thought something must be done. I don't know. It was just really bizarre. See, my mum um, has brought me up in like, you know, marine life as she loves marine life a lot. Like, you know, she's mm. mad for it. And then one day whilst we were just kayaking, we just looked down as my mum was looking at all the amazing starfish and fish. And I was, and then I just started to notice notice all the rubbish around it and found it almost bizarre. So then you just mentioned also Greta, of course. We all know who Greta is now. And what I'm hearing in your explanation is it started as you just picking up trash because it was the right thing to do. But you didn't actually consider it activism until you were inspired by Greta. So what was... kind of was the turning point just hearing what she was doing what inspired you um well while cleaning the beaches um I never really thought of it as anything until um some local newspapers quoted it as like you know um activism and then I only really got into climate activism activism after starting climate striking and hearing about the incredible Greta so how is beach cleaning connected to climate action then um well as we all know water covers 70 percent of the world and then, like, you know, the world is what we live on and the world is all connected to climate change because that's what's creating it. Well, so plastic pollution is a tiny part of climate change, but it is a part. And we can only get rid of climate change by tackling each part of it, every part of it. My thing's plastic pollution, so I'm trying to tackle that for it. So we don't have to do everything. We can pick one thing to focus on, is what I'm hearing. Well, yeah, I, my mum and I have discovered one thing, and that is, um, if people try to do everything to solve climate change, it's just really hard. And the chances are you normally do burn out because it's too much pressure on yourself. The nicest way to do it and the easiest way to do it is find what you're passionate about and find a way to solve climate change around that. And that's where Flossie and the beach cleaners comes in. But what I'm hearing is maybe the group was there already as more of a community service and then has now transitioned into activism. So what is Flossie and the Beach Cleaners? Flossie and the Beach Cleaners was just like, you know, a regular beach cleaning group that I set up. But now it has turned into a charity. And what does that charity hope to do? Well, the charity is my legacy since it started when I was about to start secondary school and my mum decided the best way to go would be to continue with what I want to do um, and take a bit of pressure off me um, so I can continue doing things but not everything was to start up a charity which educates children um, like primary school kids on plastic pollution and, you know, five minute on climate change, which my mum and some TYs do. Because one thing I know from since I still am a child is kids listen to older kids like you know if you have a seven-year-old they will like automatically pay more attention to the 16-year-old as they are considered more of a cool kid type of thing my mum gets ty's well i'm at school she gets the four peers and and then they spend like a few weeks 
helping beach cleaning and the charity and then they do workshops with the kids. I completely agree that kids listen to kids more, even my kids <laughs> who are two and almost four. I'll ask my daughter to do something. And she says, no. And then I ask my son, can you ask her to do that? And he does. And she goes, okay. <laughs> so kids teaching kids, I 100% support that because I witness it in my home and in my classroom as well. But one question is, when you started this, even after you had your Greta inspiration moment and you realized, okay, this is more than a kind of local group activity, did you expect it to become a global movement? Because you're now around the world. Definitely not. No, I only started beach cleaning for the environment. I did not expect anything else of it. I just expected some more people to hopefully come and help me on a beach clean. I did not expect anything else of it. Like last year, I w and my mum and I got to go to Indonesia when we were waiting in the airport um, at one point, I think in Dubai. We found and met a nice family there who said, hey, aren't you the um, teen who's um, been cleaning the beaches? It was really amusing. Yeah, you're like a celebrity. And now you're about to celebrate 100 weeks of action. What does that mean to you? Do you have anything planned? I'd like to say yes. But, <laughs> um, uh, due to coronavirus, I've had to minimize my school strikes uh, um, uh, to like only six people. So mm. there's more than six people. I'm saying, oh, sorry, guys, you can't, uh, we can only have six. Can you come to the next week's one? So yeah. kind of annoying. Um, I'm hoping that we could have something planned for next week as it's, you know, the big 100. And it's mm -hmm. be very exciting, but I'm not sure, sadly, due to COVID. Let's say this week is your 100 weeks of action. What can listeners do to support you and help you celebrate a little bit from a distance? If they want to support me from a distance, that's so nice, um, for one. Um, but yeah, just climate strike, um, climate striking within a safe distance. Um, I'm thinking maybe we flood your social media with likes and links and things and sharing what Flossie and the Beach Cleaners are doing. What would be really nice, actually, is if people could send um, a picture of them holding up the sign saying 100 and then tag me in it and then have Climate Strike obviously written on it. That'd be really awesome. Oh, let's do that. Let's have listeners and people, and maybe if they're on the beach cleaning up trash, that would be even better. Pick up a piece of rubbish, send me a picture. We're actually doing a bit um, of a competition at the moment since we can't um, have our usual Eco Hero of the Week that we put up on Instagram and Facebook and all um, because we can't really have more people on a beach clean at the moment. So if they can send us a picture, that'd be brilliant. It is tough working around the pandemic and wanting to follow the rules because that's also a looking from kind of the global perspective. We need to work on this together and still try and keep up your activism. So it's nice to hear that you're still finding ways to encourage people and get out there. And so I want to encourage listeners, go out on your own, go for a walk, and pick up a few pieces of trash, even if you're not by the sea. Yeah, this is a really hard time and really weird. And like everyone, you have those moments where you literally just want to scream. But yes. we have to find ways around it. And um, we have to remember that it will be over soon, but we have to keep to the restrictions, do what we can, and if we can, help the environment in a way. <laughs> yeah, we can still make a difference. Yeah, definitely just wear gloves. Just wear gloves and a mask. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we just addressed something that I want to ask anyways is there may be people out there who think, I'm just one person. How can I make a difference? 
what do you say to them? Um, well, one person can make a huge difference because if um, the one voice is powerful on its own, but millions of voices are extremely powerful together, um, mm. you can make a difference by yourself by finding what, like I said it before, by finding what you're interested in. I'm mad about sea like my mum and the marine life, so I started cleaning the beaches. If you're mad about, um, you know, the trees and nature and, and all, then start planting trees, have like, um, uh, throw bee bombs everywhere. Do make bee gardens, do what you can for that. Um, if you're not sure how to get started and what to do yet, start with a simple climate strike. If you, and even if you don't know where to climate strike, you'll find somewhere, find a local group or just post a picture of yourself online line saying climate strike online. It starts conversations at least. And that's a start. Yeah. So here's a big question. And I don't mind if, if mom wants to jump in on this because she may have some perspective as well. So we've got those who just don't know where to start or they're unsure if they can even make a difference. But then unfortunately, we've also got those people who say this is a waste of time. This is a waste of energy. Climate activism is not worth it. Now, I find that to be a bit of a balance between generations often, but there's also people in every generation who feel this way. What, how do you deal with those type of people? I feel those people are normally scared. Like I feel they know it's going on, but they just fear it. Um, and they're trying to think mm. to sweep it under the carpet and picture it's not happening. There are some who actually don't believe it's happening. And those are the type of people you just have to say, look around. It's like really hot and it's nearly Christmas. So, but no, um, if you do have grandchildren, if you have children, if you have niece, nephews or nieces, if you know any child though, and you, um, you don't believe in climate change, you're stealing their future. Mm. At a very moment in time, um, all the future children, like all um, uh, my future grandchildren, they all will have, they all will be looking back on us and they will either be seeing us as these amazing heroes who saved the world or these people who let the world die because they didn't, not enough people believed it was happening. Hmm. I don't think I need to add anything to Flossie. Flossie, Flossie <laughs> nailed that one, to be honest. <laughs> she, she really did. I That was great. I, it sounds like you've been practicing some of this. Have you been asked these kind of questions a lot? No, but I've been watching Hamilton a lot, which has given me a lot of negotiation <laughs> skills. <laughs> I should have asked you to sing it then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still can. <laughs> well, that's a, good, that's a good question. What inspires you kind of day to day? You just mentioned Hamilton, which is funny because it's about the USA far back in history, but you're saying things like that are inspiring. Is there anything else that really kind of boosts you up in your activism? Well, to see like, you know, a young child um, on a beach, like if there is plastic in the sea and you see them pick the plastic up, whether they left it or not, or if they see plastic on the beach, put it in the bin. They don't think any of anything of it, but if they do do it, that is inspiring because it means that they are paying attention to the world around them and they're not just looking out for um, themselves, they're looking out for the marine life as well and the biosphere, which is really amazing. Yeah, it's like we're trying to change what normal behavior is. I don't know when normal behavior became leave your trash on the ground, but... It, it always <laughs> hope, Yeah, go ahead. I feel it always has been um, because the, um, the, like from the beginning of time, it, when there was rubbish, you would like, you know, leave it on the ground or throw it in the sea 
But the difference is, back then, all our rubbish was made from leaves and bits of branches. So it was extremely compostable and made no damage. So you just mentioned, you know, we in previous years and generations and lifetimes ago, our trash wasn't just trash. So if we threw it on the ground, it didn't really matter. Are there ways that we can reduce the amount of trash we're producing? Well, yeah, there are loads of um, reasonable options. Like instead of getting plastic bottles, um, we can just easily use keep cup. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a takeaway coffee in um, a uncompostable cup. You can just simply use a reusable one, um, a keep cup, which is really useful. Instead of buying all your fruit and vegetables in uh, plastic, you can buy them and then put them in small um, bags that you bring yourself and then just weigh them. There are loads of ways we can save our planet. We just have to look for them. And then I have to ask, because we're talking about trash, what have been some of the most interesting things that you've cleaned up on the beach? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. We found teeth recently on a beach clean. I'm sorry, did you say teeth? Yeah, I said teeth. (laughs) Yes, someone apparently fells teeth with a bit of gum on top, yes. Okay. You do use gloves, right? Oh, yeah. During lockdown, some, um, uh, one of my mum's swimmers, um, a regular swimmers, um, found an Apple Watch which is still fully working in the sea. Oh, so you're saying beach cleanup can be rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of our favourite ones. Plastic wax of someone's stripped hair. So chest hair. Someone managed to wax their chest hair and just leave, like... Just throw it in the sea. Nope, leave it on the rocks where we were finding them. Like, we found so much chest hair everywhere on these bits of plastic wax. I don't, I just need a minute to process that. That is so gross. (laughs) I just imagine someone sitting on the rocks, sunbathing, and waxing themselves at the same time. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) We were finding a couple of pregnancy tests recently. Oh. Yeah. Two, I'm sorry, one of them was positive. The other one was unused. <laughs> okay. So we don't know how that person was feeling, but yeah. she left it on the sea. Um, we yeah. find loads of credit cards and we went to found a driver's license. Did you try and return it to the person? Yeah, we all um, things like that we hand into the police. And then mm. um, uh, if the police can find the person who owns them, then great. If not, they're normally a good few years old. Yeah. And with all of this, what what do you do with everything you find? Um. Uh, <laughs> Well, what we do with the stuff, it really depends. Like, we try to separate it. Um, uh, like, we try to separate clothes, towels, um, and all toys and put it in a lost and found area. Um, down where we are in Sandy Cove, um, we just have got recycling bins down at the beach. So we try to separate the rubbish if we can. But then there are certain beaches where we can't do any of that because the rubbish is so filthy because of this beach is filled with sewage and pollution. And oh. that we just have to throw everything in the bin, which is really horrible because there are really useful things in it yeah that's always sad for me if I travel to a place because here in Germany we recycle everything we even break down glass by color it's it's ridiculous here but then I travel to a place even my homeland in, in the USA and some people don't recycle paper or plastic and I think oh what a missed opportunity well what we find is loads of people do recycle and they do recycle, and they recycle so well, but then they just miss the last single part. They put all their amazing recycling in a big black plastic bin bag, 
which is not recyclable. Like we just walk along, we see someone might have just done perfect recycling and then it's in a big plastic bin bag, which means all their perfect recycling ruined in landfill. Done. Oh, that is is a shame. Yeah. So we need to make sure listeners remember, if you are recycling, don't use a big plastic bin bag. Yeah, not recyclable. Yeah. (laughs) I always put my paper recycling in a paper bag. And then easy peasy. Yeah, that's really smart. You've already mentioned this, but let's flash back to, so you were inspired, kind of part of your inspiration was a trip to Thailand, I think you said. is it Was it Thailand? Yeah, Thailand. And Thailand. And then in 2019, you got to go back to that side of the world and you were actually in Indonesia in 2019. What made you go to Indonesia and what were your goals there? I've wanted to go to Indonesia with my mum for a long time now because it's dubbed one of the, um, like the second world's most plastic river there. Oh. The videos on the internet are just heartbreaking. You just see river, but you don't see any water. You just see the rubbish going down. And I always wanted to go there to see if it was really like that or if it was just, you know, slightly over-exaggerated to scare people into um, being better with that recycling. Um, Mm. or if like you know it was just because after a monsoon but mostly I want to see if there was any way we could help and you know um the swap digits and connect from um, Ireland to Indonesia yeah and what did you experience there it was amazing um uh, the river wasn't as bad as we were expecting the videos we saw as we thought they were after monsoons but the rivers were still pretty bad because we were on this one beautiful river like we were um it was like a lily pad river i think and it was absolutely gorgeous i mean the sun setting it was all beautiful but then when you look down you can just see floating fish corpses and so much plastic and rubbish covering it and then the one of the other sides of the chitron river we saw was green like st patrick's day green it was just one of those days one of the other days we could have come it could have been red blue or black because all these company, um, all these fashion, fast fashion companies on the side were pumping their what's called poison into the river, which is really depressing. But the, oh, like from the the dyes they were using for clothing and things like that. Yeah, and then oh. the sad things is um all the fishermen there they've had to give up fishing for um now because due to um like most of the fish being dead or extremely poisonous, and now they're collecting plastic, they're fishing for plastic, which on one side sounds really good. But on the other side, um, they're not making as much money in it, which is depressing. The army there are amazing. The army in Indonesia, they're constantly trying to clean the river and doing what they can to save their river since they still can. Um, Because they're tired of being known um, as having one of the world's worst plastic rivers. So they're trying to solve it and they are doing an incredible job out there. And one of the schools on the river, um, one of the schools on the Chitron River, the children there, pay in plastic bottles which is so cool so like for their school fees and things that they need to do they collect bottles and pay for the school that way yeah the amount of plastic bottles they collect depends on how much education they'll get oh wow it's like a currency yeah it's really cool and that the military is helping what a great use of military (laughs) they are incredible there they are literally doing so much and then let's say we can look forward to a time when you get to travel again let's just dream for a second where would you go next what other places inspire you 
um, and that you want to visit for kind of the same purpose, for activism and connection? Well, originally this year, we were during the summer, we were meant to go to India to visit the Plastic River there, um, to see all the plastic pollution there and see once again, see if we can connect there. And then next, I was also hoping to go to the Galapagos because I think that place is absolutely incredible because um, the, the plastic pollution problem isn't as bad there because people um, there know more about plastic pollution. But the animals there are incredible. It's like where all animals meet, where penguins, tortoises, and I think that is incredible. Yeah, all those ecosystems coming together. Yeah, it's like such an eco-friendly place. So I just, I really want to see it. It sounds amazing. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing to think about. So we've got the Indonesia and Indian plastic rivers, and then you want to go to the Galapagos. I hope I said that correctly. Yeah. Um, to be inspired. On the other side of things, are there any other places you think of that are good examples in their ways that they're helping the oceans or climate action? Well, yeah, there are like millions. Um, like last year when we went to Indonesia, um, my mum made made sure that afterwards we went to some um, a small island off Indonesia called Gili, because the Gili Islands there they are dubbed plastic free islands. Obviously, they're not completely plastic free, but the islands are incredible. There are some incredible conservation group out there called Gili Eco Trust, and since all the coral, most of the coral out there is dead after, um, I think it was a hurricane or a monsoon, um, but it killed all the corals. So these beautiful beaches we were on, the seas were amazing, and yet there were no fish, so it was really bizarre. So what they are doing is they're making these massive metal constructions, and then they add a little bit of electricity to it. They place them underwater, tie bits of um, their baby coral onto them, um, and then the baby coral, which is about to die, has another chance and it grows in the water. So they were bringing us through and showing us what it looks like over the weeks and months. And then the one which was like there for a year had loads of fish swimming around it. All the fish were back. It was it's absolutely incredible. Wow. So they're regenerating the ecosystem there. Yeah, they're rebooting it. <laughs> That's amazing. What about there in, in Ireland? So your little corner of Ireland, your specific stretch of beach seems to be well taken care of thanks to you and your mom. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the rest of your country up to? Um, I'm not sure I haven't been talking to them lately. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had a Zoom call with the whole country? No. <laughs> no. Um, Ireland, um, uh, we're all really moving forward. Like we've had so much. Um, uh, we've This year we've gotten so many more cycle trip paths in. My mum's extremely proud about it. She's been telling everyone about how she went on a <laughs> mad cycle to a hotel, <laughs> cycle path only, and how. Um, apparently they really are beautiful. I don't know. I haven't really used them yet, unless I'm I'm going to school. But that's about it. And then um, we're getting more plastic-free schemes. Good, good. And the Green Party are finally in government. It's just interesting to me, and I find myself doing this as well. That I always look out away from myself for inspiration or looking for activism and you know you're flying across the world to go find inspiration for things and sometimes I think we forget to look at what's right where we are we're always seeking to get out that's why I asked about Ireland yeah well you're living in the country which is incredible for climate change and I'm trying to do my little part where do you hope to go from here with the beach cleaners and your charity, but also maybe just yourself and your little community there? 
personally, I want to continue beach cleaning, um, and I want I will continue climate striking until um uh, there are changes made. But no, my plans for the future is to become a marine biologist. So. And hopefully I want to study in Sydney University one day and um, be able to help the environment out there. And then I'll be able to move around from Sydney to different places with big plastic pollution problems. Look at the animals, look at the jellyfish. I'm obsessed with jellyfish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're beautiful. I love jellyfish too. Yeah. You need to, in the future, I hope that you can go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up in California near Monterey Bay and there's a huge research facility there, and it's gorgeous, and they have a huge jellyfish room, and it's gorgeous. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places, and I haven't been able to go in a long time, but that's the area I grew up in, and it's just amazing. They've got conservationists there, and so ah. <laughs> you said jellyfish, and I just flashed back. <laughs> <laughs> Marine biologist, great goal. Love that goal, and I hope... I hope you do get to do that because I think you're someone who sounds motivated and who can make a big difference in the world, like we all can. But like I say to a lot of my guests, I'm so glad you said yes, because I think a lot of people your age would have said, oh, I see there's a challenge going on locally in my community and globally with climate change, but I just want to be a kid. Yes, you look. I have had people um, uh, say to me, um, uh, just be a kid and, you know, sit in front of the TV and watch The Simpsons, which I do do a lot. (laughs) Good to hear. Yeah. Um, But the thing is, if I want to be a kid, I I have a choice. I can either be a kid now and then never probably be able to um, uh, be an adult because I won't have a future. Or I can be a child now who makes more adult-like decisions and then have a future. Hmm. But you still, I think we, how do I want to say this? Now that I'm a mom and I hear like what kids should be or what, even what kids should eat or should do, like what is kids stuff? I say, why? Why can't kids be activists? Why can't kids want to do things that maybe weren't defined as kids stuff in the past? Why can't we redefine what childhood can be? And I think you cleaning beaches as long as you're enjoying it, that is kid stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then I think last question for you, and then I want to ask your mom a few questions. So from for Flossie, what do you hope my listeners will take away from this episode? Um that anyone can make a difference at any age, because we and but we can't do you can't do this if you work alone and fear too much. We but we will get through this if we all work together. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining Balancing Cultures. Thank you. A big thank you to Flossie for sharing her story, from inspiration to action. I hope we can all find ways to positively contribute with reusable coffee cups and shopping bags, with beach and river cleanups, with advocacy through strikes or social media shares. I'm personally going to have more meat-free days because I love cooking and trying new things. Coming next week is an interview with her mom, excuse me, her mum, to hear her side of the story and insights about parenting and activist. Check the show notes on balancingcultures.com for all links and resources. This was Balancing Cultures, and I'm 
Megan Kitchen.